So, welcome to the story of the rich young man. You might have noticed that Jesus has been on a bit of a tear these last few weeks in Mark's Gospel, and today is no exception. We've heard about cutting off limbs if they cause you to sin, then adultery and divorce, and now money, perhaps the hardest teaching yet. A man with wealth comes to Jesus asking what he must do to inherit eternal life. Jesus tells him to sell all of his possessions, give the money to the poor, and follow him. For Christians with a bank account of any size, this is one of the most uncomfortable lines in the Bible. Mainline Protestants try to explain it away, and biblical literalists tend to skip right over it. I mean, good Lord, are we supposed to give all of our money away? Our minds quickly go to our very real need for financial security in this world. Who would pay the bills, feed the family, if we gave everything away? And not to get too specific or seasonal, but stewardship is just around the corner at church. (laughs) If all of us gave everything away, who would be left to fill out a pledge card? For these and about a million other reasons over the years, people have tried to soften Jesus' answer to the rich young man. Let's get a few of the obvious attempts out of the way right off the bat. Jesus says that it will be easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. No, There was never a small door next to the gate in Jerusalem called the Eye of the Needle that camels could not fit through. That's a myth. Jesus is talking about the hole in a sewing needle, just the way it sounds. And it's likely that he meant camel when he said that, too, despite efforts to explain that one away. In the 4th century, Cyril of Alexandria suggested that You know, the Greek words for camel and rope differ by only one letter. Jesus must have said rope, which would make a little more sense with the metaphor. But chances are he said camel, and we just have to deal with it. Barbara Brown Taylor suggests that Christians have further mangled this story in at least two ways. First, by acting as if it were not about money— And second, by acting as if it were only about money. Is the story about money? Yes. Is it about more than money? A resounding yes. It's a story about love and healing, failure and grace. Let's begin with the failure. This is the only story that I can think of where Jesus offers to heal someone and the person walks away instead. The young man, you see, has stellar religious credentials and wealth, which at the time was seen as a blessing from God for his righteousness. But he knows that he is missing something and that something is off in his life and he needs healing, despite everything going well in his life. That checks out, doesn't it? We can feel the same way even when things are going well for us 
on paper. So with his resume of righteousness in hand, the man kneels before Jesus to ask how to attain eternal life. Jesus looks at him and loves him. That's the only detail that's unique to Mark's version of this story. Jesus loves him. And in that love, diagnoses the young man's problem. As long as the man is using his resume of righteousness or his wealth to justify his good standing before God, he will not be free to receive God's grace. He can't get to eternal life on his own steam because it cannot be bought. It can only be received as a gift. One must be empty-handed enough to receive the gift. When Jesus tells him to sell all all that he has, it's meant as medicine for the man's soul. But the man is not yet ready to let go of what he has in order to gain what he needs, and he walks away in sorrow. After all, as the story goes, it would be easier to thread a camel through the eye of a needle. The disciples are quick to ask, if this is so hard, who then can be saved? And Jesus replies, for mortals it is impossible, but for God all things are possible. Whatever the size of our bank accounts, the story is as much about that rich young man as it is about us. When we wonder about eternal life, about whether we deserve God's grace, Jesus looks at us with love and a prescription of our own. What resumes do we insist on handing over to God? How do we size up our worth in money, smarts, kindness, generosity, good behavior, or whatever we do or have that we think is pleasing to God? Conversely, in what ways do we worry that we don't measure up, that we are unworthy of grace, or that someone else is or isn't in God's good graces. Such a system of scorekeeping and measuring and comparison, it's exhausting, and it's not how God's system works at all. It's as if we keep trying to thread our camels through a needle when it's only grace that gets us through anyway. The young man's camel was his wealth, which Jesus told him to give away. He would tell us the same thing about our own camels, to let them go. Now this story is about much more than money, but it's also about money. We should remember that Jesus talked more about money than just about any other topic because of its spiritual dangers. When he tells the young man to give it all away, we get uncomfortable, not only because of how scary that sounds, but also because of how attached we are to money, emotionally, spiritually. We can certainly make an idol out of it, just about everyone does, preachers included. But it doesn't have to be that way. As I reflected on the gospel story, I kept thinking about Ellen Gray, a longtime member here who died at the age of 91 last week. Tributes 
are pouring in ahead of her funeral on Tuesday. And one of the things that she will be remembered for is her extraordinary generosity. She created a sizable portfolio over the course of her trailblazing career, but her wealth never clouded her understanding that God's love for her had nothing to do with it. In fact, she nearly lived this gospel story to the letter and gave away most of her money before she died. I actually think she was somewhat worried that she would outlive what she had left. She made it possible for us to launch the campaign to restore the stained glass windows here at Christ Church. She gave similarly transformative and joyful gifts to the symphony, the Habitat for Humanity, and other nonprofits that she was passionate about. I am certain that she gave her money away not to earn God's love, but as a result of God's love and grace, a gift she freely accepted and celebrated through her many good works. What's the moral of all of this, you ask? Well, there are two, actually. The first is about working on a spiritually healthy relationship with money, whatever the size of our accounts. Jesus doesn't want money to get in the way of our relationship with God. The second is to take stock of the camels that we keep throwing at the sewing needle of grace, whether that's money or anything else that we insist upon to prove our worth before God. God's not interested because God has already offered us eternal life. According to Jesus, it's time to give away the camels. Amen.